Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. To you. Lord God, we don't need you to hunt us down. We don't need you to chase us, Lord God. We are running toward you, Father God. And I just thank you, Lord God, for this eternal collision between us and you, Lord God. This this collision of spiritual forces, Lord God, between us and you. And we just thank you, Father. Mm, You are our Father. You are our God. You're everything. And we thank you that tonight, Lord God, we come into your presence. And we allow you to change us. We allow you, Father God, just to make impartation, Father God, on the inside of us. And I thank you, Father, mm, that we surrender, we yield to the fullest, highest thing that you have for us tonight. We choose to get it all. We choose it. You said we could choose life or death. Might as well just choose life. So we choose it right now. We're going to leave different because of the Spirit of God teaching us. And, Father, we thank you that if, if the Holy Ghost doesn't teach, then no teaching gets done. And so, Lord God, we submit ourselves and humble ourselves to the Holy Ghost. Father God, no, I, 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 still at least don't, I just don't care if people hear what comes out of my mouth. Father God, I just thank you, Lord God, that they hear from their own heart with the Holy Spirit speaking to them. And Father God, that we have eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts that, that fully, Father God, comprehend and understand what the Holy Spirit is imparting tonight. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Let's remember to Matthew chapter 3. We've been, uh, last couple of weeks, we've been talking about redemption. Last week we talked about the blood. Glory to God, it's all about the blood. Oh, man, there was a lot in that, and uh, I encourage you, if you weren't here, get, get the CD, do something, because there was a whole lot in that. Matthew chapter 3, shifting gears into another facet, facet of redemption, and um, actually, uh, before you go to Matthew 3, go to 1 John 3, and hopefully we'll come back to Matthew 3. Last night, we didn't even make it back to Matthew 3, but anyway, it's okay. 1 John 3, verse 1. He says here, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be what? Called the children of God. This is, this is where we're headed tonight, right here. The fact that we are children of God. That this is what redemption is all about, is, is that we are children of God. And it says, uh, Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now, what does it say? We are children of God. We're not just called children of God. We are children of God. But, loving now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when, we, when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And so here it says that we are the children of God. Turn back. Let's, let's go to Matthew 3. Might as well just get that. And we'll probably come back to some of these different verses as we go. We'll see as the Lord leads. Matthew 3. His love being extended toward us was all about making us the children of God. And that, that tells me that's kind of a big deal. And, uh, and yet most of the time we don't really understand uh, or have a comprehension of what it means to be the children of God. And so that's what we're going to get into tonight. What does it mean? Matthew chapter 3. And this is uh, um, verse 13. Verse 13. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I'm, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? Verse 15. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. 
verse 16, And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Verse 17, And suddenly a voice from heaven saying, This is what? My beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now this is powerful to me. This is Jesus hasn't done any ministry yet. Uh, this is when he's about to be launched. He goes up into the, the wilderness right after this, but then he gets lost, launched into ministry. He hasn't performed any miracles yet. He hasn't done anything yet. And now he's being baptized. And, and here he comes up, and he's about to be launched into ministry. And here's what the Father says about him. It says, this is my beloved son. This is what God wanted the world to know about this man. This is interesting to me. That God could have said a lot of things about Jesus, couldn't he? He could have said that he is righteous. He could have said he's the second and last Adam. He could have said that he's uh, pure and holy and just. He could have said that he's filled with the Spirit without measure, that he has so much anointing on him that he can heal everybody. He could have said all that, couldn't he? He could have even said that he's the Savior of the world. But he didn't announce that, did he? What did he announce to the world? This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. He wanted the world to know, you receive him as my Son. This is big. We need to understand, when, what does God want, to know, want, want people to know about us? That we're his children. That we're his sons and daughters. And he's always speaking this over us. That not only are we his beloved son, but also, what does he say about him? It says, in whom I'm what? Well pleased. Now, Jesus hadn't done any ministry yet, had he? He hadn't done anything uh, uh, spiritually you know, impacting on the earth. He hadn't advanced the kingdom at all yet. But what was he doing? Pleasing God. So many times we think that we please God by doing all the stuff. We don't please God by doing all the stuff. Guess how we please God? Being his son. Being his child. How many in here have kids? Do they do wrong stuff? Once in a while? <laughs> Does that dictate how pleased you are with them as a relationship? You're not pleased with what they do, but being pleased with them is different, right? Seeing them in a favorable light happens to be, is, is there because you're their parent and they're your child. Um, turn over to John chapter 1. I just think it's so interesting that the, the, the first thing that God announces over Jesus, of course he said some stuff before Jesus was born, but the first thing that he announced over Jesus physically was his relationship as father to son. And, and to me that's paramount. If it's the first thing that he said over him, then that was going to be the foundation of everything Jesus was going to do. Everything Jesus was going to do from that moment on was from a foundation of father to son. And, and we need to understand that everything that we do in the kingdom of God is in the same relationship. But if we don't understand that relationship, then we're not going to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. That's the foundation for everything. That was the foundation for what Jesus did on the earth, and it's still the foundation for what we do on the earth. And, but if we don't understand that relationship, then our foundation is very, very shaky, and we think it's based on something else that it's not. And so here in John chapter 1, of course, uh, it says in verse, um, uh, verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He's talking about John the Baptist. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the, of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Since that light was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, but would the world did not know him. So who is he talking about here? He's talking about Jesus, right? 
The world was made by Jesus, but the, the world didn't even know him. Verse 11, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to do what? Become children of God. To those who believe in his name. And then I love verse 13. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Praise God. That's us. Children of God. Children of the Most High. And when we begin to understand this, this man, I, I love talking about being a child of God because this is the foundation for everything. And he says here, it's not, you weren't born because, because of a natural bloodline. You weren't born because of the will of flesh or because of the will of the man. You were born because of the will of God. You know, this is why you're on the earth right now. You know, and, and we talk about this a lot, but we know that we could have been born any time, right? I remember one time Rachel and I were at Pizza Hut. This was, I don't know, quite a few years back, and, and you know, we're sitting there uh, waiting, you know, for our food, and, you know, they give you those placemats that have questions and trivia and stuff on them, you know, to try to occupy your time so you don't realize you're waiting so long. And, um, but, they, uh, uh, but one of the questions was, um, if you could be born any time, uh, you know, in all of history, when would you be born? When would you live on the earth? And, uh, and, yeah, I mean, it's like it wasn't even a thought to me. I was like, right now? Now's it. You know, if you understand, there's no greater day nor hour. This is it. This is it. And, and, and the thing is, it, it, we need to get this, is that I, you were not born any other time because you're supposed to be born right now, because you're supposed to live right now. He could have had you born in the 6th century. He could have had you born, you know, in, in 1400 B.C. He could have had you born in Portugal or in, in Argentina or wherever. But he had you born in this day, in this hour, in the city you were born in, in the, in the country you were born in, for a reason. Not because of the will of man. Not because your parents decided to get together. You understand this? That your parents had nothing to do with who you are, are really. All they did was form a body. God formed your spirit. Praise God. And we're children of God. And, and when we begin to understand this foundation of not, that, that, hey, I am here not because my parents decided to have a kid. I'm here because God decided to actually birth me into the earth when he did. Man. It forms a foundation of purpose. It forms a foundation of saying, man, I'm here for a reason. I'm here on purpose. I'm here intentionally. It doesn't matter if my parents said I was an accident. I wasn't an accident. Glory to God. God knew what was going on, and he had me born exactly where I was, when I was. And so just living with purpose, living with power, it begins with this, with this understanding that we are children of God. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, and we're going to read two verses that say, sound very similar. In fact, actually, let's turn over to Galatians 4 first. Galatians chapter 4. This is, says the same thing as Romans 8, but we're going to read both of them. Galatians 4, and in, um, let me see here. Okay, it says here in verse 4, Galatians 4, 4. It says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that they might receive what? The adoption as sons. Man, I love that. And because you are sons, what tense is that? Well, actually, it's present tense, isn't it? We are sons, right? And so, we're not going to be sons, right? We don't get to be sons when we get to heaven. We're sons right now. Glory to God. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out what? Abba, Father. 
It says, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Man, I love this. This is the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And it says here, the, the Holy Spirit is speaking and crying out in our hearts. He's crying out. Go over, over to Romans chapter 8. It says basically the same thing, but uh, adds a little bit to it. Romans 8. And he says here, uh, verse 14, Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, what's it say? They're the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with what? With our spirit. That we are what? Children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Now, I love this because he says here that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That tells me something, that, that here he, he actually gives us the Holy Spirit, and the one thing the Holy Spirit is continually telling my spirit is that I'm the child of God. Always saying that I'm a child of God. Always saying I'm a child of God. Just trying to get me to re- remind me of this. I'm the child of God. 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 Do you think it's important? Yes. Yeah. It doesn't say that he cries out in my spirit that I'm healed or blessed or anything else. It says he cries out to my spirit that I'm the child of God. So it tells me that I need to meditate this. I need to actually get a hold of this. If, the, if it's important enough for, the, for God to actually send his spirit on the inside of me and actually confirm this all the time, then it's something I need to wake up to and start, start actually agreeing with this. Now, now, with this, I love this because there's, there's a few things as children we're going to go over here. Why is it important to be a child of God? Well, the first thing, number one, is he tells us right here in verse 17, and if we're children, then what? Then we're heirs. We're heirs of God. This is number one, that children, um, the, the first thing that actually equips us to walk out victory in the earth knowing that we're children is that we know that we're heirs. And that means that when an heir has two things. An heir has an inheritance, and an heir has a birthright. Okay, And these are things that, that, that we have to begin to, to understand about who we are as children of God, that we have an inheritance and we have a birthright. Now, um, mm, Okay, let's just get into that just for a, for a second or two here. Um, people who have an inheritance think differently than people that don't have an inheritance, right? Um, because they think, they, they're not thinking. Here's the thing. Somebody with an inheritance is building from something. They build their life from something. They already have something that somebody left them, right? So they're building their life from something. Somebody without an inheritance is building for something. Does that make sense? They're constantly doing something to try to get something. That kind of sounds familiar, right? <laughs> you know, you're constantly trying to build something, trying to get something, trying to gain, trying to climb the ladder, trying to build and build and build. But somebody with an inheritance isn't doing that. They're actually building from something. They're expanding what, they were, what was already given to them. They, they, they inherit a kingdom, and then based on the kingdom they have, they expand that kingdom based on the resource that was given to them. Isn't that good? But you see, they think different. So, so when a circumstance arises to somebody who has an inheritance, they know the inheritance is already there, and they don't have to think about how they're going to pay that off. They know that that's already done by the inheritance. 
And, and understanding the inheritance begins to, to, to cause us to think differently and respond differently because now I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to produce anything. I'm, I'm living from an inheritance expanding a kingdom and, and learning that, hey, this thing is, is, is so big, the inheritance that he gives me. It says here, it's verse 17, and if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of what? Of God. And joint heirs with who? Christ. Now, it says here that we're joint heirs with Christ. So whatever he's inherited, I've inherited. Glory to God. I think he's doing pretty good, isn't he? <laughs> I don't think he's, he's hurting at all. I don't, think when, when a, I don't think he sits there and goes, man, what am I going to do today? I have no idea. There's so much going on, I don't even know what to do with this stuff. No, he, he, there's an inheritance there. It's the inheritance of God himself. The infinite supply of God is our inheritance. Right? Philippians says that, that my God shall supply what? All my needs according to what? His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Praise God. But I've got to be aware of that. If I'm not aware of that, if I can have an inheritance and not be aware of the inheritance, right? There's people who live on this earth their whole life and they have an inheritance, they don't even know it. And so they live as if they don't have an inheritance. So they treat every circumstance as if they're not an heir. Physically and financially, people do that all the time. Spiritually, most Christians are still doing that. And we shouldn't be. We should be looking at everything through the filter of an inheritance. And understand that the inheritance is one thing, and then you have the birthright, which is another thing. The birthright is simply the rights that you have because you're born. That's a birthright. And, and the Bible talks a lot about birthrights in the Old Testament, and we need to get this, that there's, there's a birthright that God gives us, and we have rights just simply because we're born. And uh, today, in this, in this you know, culture, we don't talk about birthrights a whole lot, but they're still acknowledged uh, you know, if, if you, you know, have a little baby, um, uh, that, that little baby has a birthright. That little baby has a right to certain things just because it was born. Does that make sense? It, was, it has a right to food, right? It has a right to shelter. It has a right to protection, right? It has a right to have its needs met. It has a right to not be abused, right? It has a right to be defended. It has a right to certain things. But did it earn any of those things? Not even one. But it has a right. And so for, them, for somebody not to provide those things for their child, what do we call that? Negligence. Yeah, negligence and child abuse, right? That's punishable, right? Because it's not just. It's not right. Because the moment that those people, whoever the parents are, the moment that those, those, those individuals decided to have a baby, that decision to have that child actually placed upon them the responsibility of taking care of that child, right? So whose will was it that I was born, you know, as a child of God? It was his will, right? It says we were born by the will of God. He made a choice to birth me. So because the moment he made the choice, gets whose responsibility is to take care of me? It's his. Glory to God. I've got a birthright. Which means I don't have to fend for myself. I don't have to supply for myself. I don't have to protect myself. I don't have to defend myself. I have to stand up on a birthright. And God's more than willing to, because to, God is a just God, and he is more than willing to do everything that the birthright requires, but the question is, am I allowing him to give it to me? Or am I trying to do it all myself? You know, kids reach a certain time in their life when they basically just want to do everything themselves. You know? You know, they reach that kind of where, where you're used to grabbing their hand to walk them across the street, or you're used to, oh, I can do it. <laughs> reach, they're, they're just pulling that hand away, you know. And that's how most Christians are. You know, they're like, nope, I can do it. 
No, you can't. It's impossible for us to do what God's called us to do outside of him. There's a birthright for a reason. But that birthright, that inheritance, those are the, 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 the first thing that we need to understand, that as children of God, we, here he has actually chosen to, to birth us into this place. And in doing so, I have an inheritance and I have a birthright. And this is something that, like, these are things we have to meditate out. These are things that, what I mean by that, is that we have to, we have to allow our mind to just begin to dwell on these things. We need to allow our mind. The word meditate means to mutter to yourself. It just means to actually begin to take the word of God and begin to speak it over to yourself and to actually allow it to come alive on the inside. You begin to challenge thoughts when you do that. When you, when you actually begin to take the word of God and begin to put it in your mouth and say, man, I'm a child of God. Man, I have, I have an inheritance. I have an, I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. And you begin to allow your mind to be bombarded with the truth of God's word. It sets you free. And you begin to see things. You begin to realize it is not right that I've been living the way I've been living. You know, remember the, the story of the prodigal son? And here he is. He's, it says that, that he would have gladly eaten what the pigs were eating, right? But there was nothing left over. He, didn't even, he couldn't even do that, even though he would have gladly done it. You know? But then it says, this is, this, I love this, because it says, then he came to himself. Praise God. He came to himself. And the first thing he said was, yeah, what am I doing here? This is ridiculous. He goes, don't even my father's servants eat better than this. His first thought was his father. His first thought was the resource of his father. His thought was not, man, you know what? I could probably get me a better job. I could probably get more education and make this thing work. I could, probably, I could probably pull my, my bootstraps up. I could go to another land, and I could actually make something of myself. What was his first thought? My father. It was my father. And so suddenly, he came to himself, and when he came to himself, suddenly his relationship between him and his father was paramount in his mind. And when we come to ourselves, same thing is true. Praise God. And we need to understand that there was a time in, in that, that young man's life when it was acceptable to be feeding the pigs. It was acceptable to, to be where he was. But then it came to a point where it was no longer acceptable. This is not right. And so many Christians, we need to get to that point. It is not right for a child of God to live this way. It is not right for a child of God to put up with the, things, the same thing that's going on in the world. It is not right for us to be in poverty and lack and in fear and anxiety and worry and confusion. And all. That's not right. Children of God don't live like that. It's as he, as, on earth as in, is in heaven, right? Any of that going on in heaven? No. So it shouldn't be going on in my life. Because I'm a child of God. And so here's the thing. It, it, but it, it takes us beginning to, to take the word of God and begin to meditate and allow it to, 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 to actually uh, confront those thoughts that have told us that we're just okay, you know, that, that everything's okay and it just, it's just, hey, yeah, just walk it out, it's okay. It's, it's going to have to come down to us actually demanding uh, uh, a change in us and just yielding to that birthright and that inheritance. So, number one is that we are heirs. Number two is that children, children carry traits of their father. Okay, turn over there to, to 2 Peter chapter 1. Man, it is so important for us to get a hold of this. A lot of times people, you know, I say this a lot because, you know, I'm, I'm just walking this out like everybody else. But, um, you know, we have a lot of what we call mental assent. In, in the body of Christ. Mental assent is when we have agreed with the Word of God and we say, we acknowledge the Word of God and we acknowledge it as being true and we'll say, yeah, I agree with that, I believe that, uh, yeah, that's true, but we are not living the Word of God. 
Okay, mental assent is the biggest counterfeit in the church. I don't need mental assent. I don't need to agree with the word. But what people do is go, yeah, I've already heard all that. Then why aren't you living it? You know, we were talking about this in school last night. I go, yeah, honestly, I only, I've only seen one guy in all of history ever live like a child of God. That was Jesus. But that shouldn't be the case because he died and paid a price so we could all live like him. Okay? He, he wasn't showing off, showing how, how awesome he was. He was living as a child of God on the earth. He was living as an example to us. And we need to understand, we're children of God. And like it says in, in Romans 8, we read this a couple weeks ago, that the whole world, the, the earth is groaning and, and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Waiting for us to step up and just realize who we are. And I just don't want mental assent. I don't want to just acknowledge the word and agree with the word and say, yeah, that's all true. Yeah, that gives me goosebumps. I don't want goosebumps. I actually want a different life. I want to live like children of God in the earth. Amen? Second Peter chapter 1. And he says here, verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us what? All things, praise God, that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of what? The divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. We actually are partaker of the divine nature of God. And that, this is another, another uh, uh, benefit of being his child is that we are carriers of his nature. You know, we were talking about this uh, last night. Um, you know, it's like on Star Wars, right? You guys remember the, the, the classic line from Darth Vader? Yeah, Luke, I am your father, right? And you remember Luke's response? Yeah, shock, fear, awe. And, you know, there's a whole lot of things going through Luke's mind, right? But, you know, like we're talking about, why was Luke so challenged by that? Because, you understand, Darth Vader represented everything that he hated, right? Darth Vader represented evil, represented the kingdom of darkness, represented everything that he was, that, that here Darth Vader was trying to destroy him, and he's trying to destroy him. And so here he is, he, he's, he's facing his enemy, and his enemy says, I'm your father. And you understand, why did that shake him so much? Because... He knows, like everybody else knows, if you're my father, then you carry traits that I have on the inside of me. And everything I hate is on the inside of you, and therefore, it's also on the inside of me. I want you to understand that, that there, if, if that wasn't the case, what, what would be the big deal? Who cares who your dad is? But there's something that's passed down. And we were talking about this last week with the bloodline. Something passed down from father to, to child, father to child. There's something passed down through that bloodline. And there's traits. And, you know, we were talking about this, how that, how that um, I, Rachel and I went, uh, with the, the, the day we were getting married, uh, we're at, in Tulsa, getting married in, at, at Church on the Move in Tulsa, and um, she's off doing the before wedding bride stuff, whatever they do, the mystery of all of that, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm hanging out, you know, for six hours or whatever in my tux, you know, uh, in the lobby of the church, just, you know, killing time, and, because uh, it takes guys like 10 minutes, you know, to get ready, you know, and uh, um, so I'm hanging out, and, uh, and uh, my back is to the door of the church, and, and uh, we have big glass windows and everything, and, and uh, I'm talking to our wedding coordinator, and, and I'd known her for a while, and her name is Linda, and a really nice lady, and uh, anyway, she, um, 
she looks up over my shoulder, you know, just, just uh, past me, and there's someone coming. up. She goes, she just goes, that has got to be your dad. And I look over, it was my dad. How did she know it was my dad? Yeah. Look like me, walk like me. Understand? I mean, she's like, oh, that's got to be your dad. <laughs> you know, and now the funny thing is, like I was saying, I, I wasn't raised with my dad. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I knew who he was, but I didn't, I didn't have any, a whole lot of time with him. I didn't get to start knowing him until I was about 17. And, and so when I was a kid, though, I really looked like my mom's side of the family. Um, I, I, I didn't have any resemblance really toward my dad. And then when I was uh, in my early 20s, I saw a video of myself. Uh, I, we were at some kind of a park or whatever, and my roommate had videoed me. And, and so we were watching the video at my house. And I'm watching the video, and I'm shocked because I look just like my dad. And I didn't just look like my dad. I talked like my dad. And I laughed like my dad. I mean, it was just like even my, the way that, that, that my, my vocalization was, my jargon was, my speech, everything was just like my dad. I'm like, that just freaked me out. Because I wasn't raised with my dad. So it wasn't like it was passed on because of, you know, familiarity or anything else. It was passed down through the genes. That's, that's bizarre to me. That these little things that we think we develop, didn't, we didn't really develop. They're passed down through the genes. And so here I am. I'm thinking about this. And, and the, the, after watching that video, uh, the, the next day I'm at work. And I'm, I'm, I'm walking through this warehouse, and I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking, man, I'm just talking to God. I'm going, man, God, that is so weird. I, I did not grow up with my dad. I didn't even look like my dad when I was a kid. I looked a lot like my mom and her side of the family. And, uh, and I just said, man, this is so bizarre. And he spoke to me. I was going, all right, I remember right where I was, going through a doorway, and he spoke to me. And he just said, yeah, he goes, you are your father's son. And, uh, and of course, he wasn't talking about being my natural father. He was talking about me and him, Right? And the thing is, what hit me so clearly was that I had all those traits in me from the time I was a baby, but they didn't come out until I got older. And we, you understand, I never tried to look like my dad. I didn't sit there and say, well, today I'm going to start laughing like my dad. <laughs> no, that's not quite it. Let me try again. <laughs> no, that's not it either. I didn't try to do all that. <laughs> you know, it just came out as I matured. You understand, this is how the DNA of God works. God's DNA on the inside of every Christian is the same way. As long as you're a baby, you don't look like him. You don't sound like him. You don't talk like him. You don't walk like him, right? <laughs> but as you grow up, those, those genes come up and they mature. And you look like him. You walk like him. You talk like him. You don't even have to try. All you got to do is grow. That's all you got to do. It's not hard. You know? but, but we need to understand that we, we, that's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit, the fruit is uh, uh, what happens at the end of a mature process. Little tiny trees don't bear fruit. They wait till they're mature, then they bear fruit. And when they're old like that, when they're, when they're mature, they don't have to try to bear fruit, they just will. We will bear the fruit of the Spirit. It's not wages of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And when we, when we grow, more and more fruit will come, praise God. But we, have to, we actually have to invest in growth. That's what we have to do. We have to invest in actually growing. And, and like the Word says, to desire the sincere milk of the Word that we might grow thereby. Get in the Word. Get into prayer. Be in the presence of God. Be around, around teaching. Be around the church. Be around the body of Christ. We grow. That's what we do. But if you do, then, man, you'll look just like your dad. Praise God. You'll talk like him. You'll walk like him. Don't get frustrated if you're not walking like, like him right now. You know how baby Christians are. You know, you, so you take a few steps. You fall down. You're like, oh, man, I just hate it. I just don't look anything like Jesus. You're four days old. You know, you're not supposed to be running marathons. Just keep growing. 
you'll be okay. Repent and move on. Glory to God. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Don't let sin tell you who you are. Because sin doesn't define you. It's the DNA of God that's on the inside of you. Uh, turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And here he says in verse, uh, um, verse, verse 12, excuse me, verse 12. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not all, as in my presence all only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And he's just talking about that growth. He's going, just walk this thing out. That's all you've got to do. Just walk it out. And then it says, verse 13, I love this. For it is God who works in you both to what? Will and what? To do for his good pleasure. Who's working in you? God. He's working in you. His DNA is on the inside of you. It's working in you to do his will and to do his good pleasure. And then he says, verse 14, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Praise God. This is who we are. We're children of God. But, but what we do is we, we, ha- we have to keep walking this thing out. And as we walk it out, it's, it's him on the inside of me that, that causes me to will and to do of his good pleasure. And I need to just trust that. This is, this is such a, there, I t- there's so much confidence in your walk when you begin to understand what it means to be a child of God. When you know that your D- his DNA is on the inside of you and you're just growing, there's, man, I tell you, it gets easy. I'm just growing, that's all. You, you guys ever remember those old milk commercials? Uh, you know, where it would start off as like a little kid, and he'd be like a little kid, and he'd be like, uh, he'd be talking to, 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 to people who were older and bigger, and he's like, oh, I might be small now, but I'm drinking my milk. I'm growing. And it would show him like, as he'd go in these scales, you know, and then he's an adult, and he's like, you know, fully matured and everything else. Yep, I'm growing. I'm drinking my milk. That's how we have to be. It's okay right now, but I'm growing. And tomorrow I'm going to be different than I am today. Next week I'm going to be different. Next month I'm going to be different, because I'm growing. Praise God. I'm getting in the Word. I'm staying in the things of God. Turn over to, um, uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Amen. Are we getting something? 2 Corinthians 3. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 3. And, um, and then in verse uh, 17, end of the chapter. I just love his work in us. Um, you know, it says, of course, I won't turn there, but in, oh, actually, let's just turn over there real quick. Uh, turn over to 2 Corinthians 5 real quick. We'll come back to 2 Corinthians 3. It's two chapters over, 2 Corinthians 5, and verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? New creation. Old things, what happened to them? They passed away. And behold, what? All things. How many things? Some of them? 90% of them? All of them. They all became new. And then what does it say in 18? Now all things are of God. Now here he's just talking about us. He's going, listen, if you're a new creation, God redesigned you. God reconfigured you. And so now old things have passed away. All things have been made new. And all things are of God. And this is what we, we have to have faith in this and begin to operate in this, understanding that we are children of the Most High God. Uh, Over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, turn back over. In verse 17. He says, now the, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, what's it say? There is liberty. 
It says, but we all, verse 18, but we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, what? The glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And I love that verse. We're being transformed. And it says, into the, I love this, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. How does, it, how does it say we start? Uh, from what? From glory. It doesn't say that we, it says we start from glory, right? And, and it says uh, earlier, it says, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And this is what I always tell people is, you know, if it says that I behold the glory of the Lord and I'm looking into a mirror, then what does that mean? It, well, you know, the way I usually put it is, if an animal looks into a mirror and sees a horse, then what is the animal? It's a horse, right? There's no trick questions here. I understand. <laughs> so if an animal looks into a mirror and sees a dog, then what is it? It's a dog, right? So if I look into the mirror and I see the glory of the Lord, what am I? I'm the glory of the Lord. That's who I am. And that's why it says I actually get changed from glory to glory. You start off as glory. When you get born again, you start off as the glory of the Lord. And now all you're doing is as you behold the image, and you actually just stay in the presence of God. You stay in the Word of God. You're being transformed into that image from, love, from glory to glory. And so that glory that you are is maturing into another level and another level and another level of glory. Man, it's good. But you understand, I need to understand that he created me as glory. He, re, he recreated me as the glory of the Lord on me and in me and through me and, 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 and coming out of me so that it can change people's lives and it can change my life. But it's by the Spirit of the Lord. Man, isn't that good? I tell you, we've got to get a hold of some of this stuff. We can't look at ourselves as sinners. We can't look at ourselves as anything less than a child of God. And we need to understand that, that when, we, when we come in and we start saying, well, you know, we're just a sinner saved by grace. That is an oxymoron. You're either one or the other. If you're a sinner, then you're not saved by grace. If you're saved by grace, then you're not a sinner. Okay? If you're saved by grace, you're a child of God. You're the glory of the Lord. And so we need to, we need to understand that, that, that it says there's no communion between light and darkness. No communion between light and darkness, and yet we have perfect communion with the Father. That means that I must be light. It says in Ephesians 5 that I was darkness, now I'm light. Praise God. But this is all about taking on the traits of God himself. It says, uh, um, let's just go on here. Uh, turn back over to um, uh, Matthew chapter 3. Man, when you're a child, it takes away the whole works mentality. It takes away the need for having to earn everything because you have an inheritance, you have a birthright, you, you carry the traits of your father, you're just walking this thing out. Matthew chapter 3, and this is back where we were when Jesus got baptized, and it says in verse 17, and suddenly a voice from heaven came, says, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now that, he wasn't just his son, right? He was also, what does he say, he, what kind of son was he? He was beloved. He's my beloved son. That word beloved, uh, it's, it's simply one that, that means um, uh, favorite. It also means um, uh, worthy of love. And in other words, you know, he is totally worthy of the fullness of love. That's what it really means. It means you're worthy of the fullness of love. 
Now, this is an interesting word because it says over in, um, turn over to Ephesians chapter 1 real quick. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, call Jesus his beloved son. And that wasn't, you know, he, he said it a couple different times about Jesus. But in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and in verse, um, oh, goodness, let's start in verse 3. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Praise God. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, now I, I touched on this a little bit last night too, but you understand that, that when our culture doesn't really understand adoption all that well. It doesn't understand the spirit of adoption. And so most of the time when people think of adopted children, they think of them almost as lesser children, you know? But, you know, Pastor Brian, he has an adopted child. Is that a lesser child? Not at all. Now, you understand that the, the, the spirit of adoption is not a lesser thing. It's not one. Now, so so what, he, what, what Pastor Brian does for Jasmine is not out of pity, right? You're not doing her any favors. No, it's because she's her, his daughter, right? Fully, legitimately. But the only difference is he chose that. It's such a high love. It's such a high love because there was a time when Jasmine wasn't his daughter, you know, in the physical realm. I believe in the spirit realm, oh, it was that way. But you understand? <laughs> but in the, in the physical realm, there was a time when she wasn't, and then he chose to not just say, I'm going to take pity on you, but to actually adopt you in and make you part of me. That's, man, the spirit of adoption is huge. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's the highest love you could possibly have. And it's not this lesser than thing. Sometimes our culture gets that messed up sometimes. And we don't realize that it's because it's a choice that he made. That There was a time when I wasn't his son, and now I am his son. Not just kind of his son, you understand? Jasmine's not just kind of like, you know? <laughs> this isn't like, well, it's nice that you treat her like a daughter. That's very generous of you, Pastor Brian, that you treat her like a daughter. How kind. No! <laughs> this, you understand, this is, this is actually how it is. It's the spirit of adoption. God doesn't treat me like a child. I am his child. God doesn't treat me like his son. I am his son. So he's not doing me any favors, and he's not pitying me. He actually chose to love me. He chose to adopt me in as son. Man, isn't that awesome? It's a higher thing. And we need to, re- we need to renew our mind when it even comes to the spirit of adoption. And here it says, though, it says, uh, and it, it just, just real quick note, let heaven define everything. Don't let this world's culture define anything in your life. There's not one word in, on this planet that's been defined by heaven uh, outside of the Holy Spirit. What I mean by that is we, we, we don't understand that most every word that we have right now in our vocabulary has been defined by our culture. And we need to challenge every word. Because I want the Holy Ghost definition. I want eternal definition. And I don't want man's definition. Because when God says, he who the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. But if you talk to me and say the word freedom as somebody who was raised where I'm raised and how I'm raised, and then you talk to somebody else who was maybe, maybe Peter, his definition of freedom is different than my definition of freedom. He was raised in Togo. He knows some stuff. He's seen some stuff. 
Okay? So for, for that, that we might have a different definition. I don't want my definition. I don't want his definition. I want God's definition. I want the definition of a person, of, of, of an individual called God that never has known bondage, that's never known anything but freedom. And when he says freedom, he means freedom without any limitation, infinite freedom. Every definition God has is infinite. And we need to, man, we need to, I, I just want to challenge you on that. Whatever it is you think, challenge it. Challenge the words. Challenge the definitions. I don't, I, I love to look at different Hebrew and Greek and all that stuff, but that's still limiting. Noah Webster is not the, is not the definition master, you understand? Uh, it's, it's the Holy Ghost, praise God. So anyway, um, where, where are we going here? Where did I tell you to go? Ephesians 1, right? Okay, we're still reading here. <laughs> okay, it says, uh, um, okay, having, verse 5, predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Do you know how much good pleasure it gave him to adopt you? It was the good pleasure of his will that did it. It wasn't mercy or pity. It was the good pleasure of his will. He ran to do it. Amen. Praise God. We are not his uh, thorn in the flesh. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes people feel that way, don't they? Well, I'm just the one who comes to God again. Here I am again, God. No, no, no. He doesn't look at us like that. We're not the one he puts up with. Man, we are the good pleasure of his will. We're the apple of his eye. Praise God. It says, in him, excuse me, uh, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted, what? In the beloved. Now he actually joined us into this thing called the beloved. He actually joined us into this. So now, just as Jesus is beloved and, and worthy of all love, guess who we are? We're the beloved. We're worthy of all love. Glory to God. We actually are worthy to receive the fullness of God's love. Man, yeah, it, it's amazing. Because of his grace. Because he loves us so much. And this is the, the third thing that children have is love. I'm not putting this in any kind of you know, priority or anything, but I'm just, just three different things. They, they have an inheritance, they have traits, and they are loved. And if I know that I'm loved by God, if I know that I'm loved by God, then everything else changes. And like I said, people will agree that they're loved, but most people are not living like they're loved. They're not allowing the love of God Almighty to actually be the filter of everything. So, turn over to Romans chapter 8. Back over to Romans chapter 8. We need, to, we need to wrap some things up, but man, praise God. Is this, is this okay? We okay with this? Man, man, we're children of God. And we need to know that there is a love that is rightfully ours. It's rightfully ours. It's not a, it's not, um, God doesn't love us out of pity. He doesn't love us out of mercy. He loves us out of his own character because he is love. And, uh, And he doesn't love us to manipulate us into doing good things. He's well pleased with us whether we do anything good or not. We understand this. His love is higher than this. Love, love suffers no wrong done to it, and love doesn't seek its own, right? God's not seeking his own, and he doesn't suffer wrong. Man, he just loves me. Unconditional, infinite love, pouring out all the time. Good and perfect things all the time. That's who he is. And now, I just love it, because one thing we need to know about, about uh, a father's love is a father's love. When you have a father's love, now we're talking about that word uh, uh, back in Romans 8, what we already read. Well, let me just read it again real quick. It says um, there in verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, what? Abba, Father. 
Now, uh, you know, we, and you, if you've heard this before, you know, people will call that like daddy, father, or something like that, and that's, that's all right to do, that's fine. And, and basically what he's saying is that there's two different titles going on, and one title uh, is positional as father, meaning that he is your genetic, uh, you know, uh, lineage. That's a positional place. But then the other title is, is a relational place, where you actually have a relationship with him as father. Everybody on this planet has a father, right? You know, Pastor Brian talks about when he used to work in the prison. And, and how, many of those, how many of those young men have relationships with their father? Zero. Zero. But did they have fathers? Yeah. yeah. They had positional fathers, but not relational fathers. And here, understand, this is, what God, this, is, this is what God wants to be. He doesn't just want to be my positional father. He wants to be my relational father, too. He, he, you understand this? He doesn't just want to be, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a God, my father God, he's right there, he's up in heaven, and he birthed me, and I'm his son, hallelujah. That's not what he wants to be with me. He doesn't want to just be my positional father, he doesn't want to just be title only, okay? He wants to actually be my relational father. So that everything a father is, is who he is to me. I, I, do, do you understand this? Everything a father is designed to be, is who he is to me. Everything a father is supposed to be is who he is to me. A father is supposed to be the supplier, the protector, the defender. A father is supposed to be the corrector, the teacher, the trainer, right? This is a father. Now, why do you think the enemy does such a, a huge job trying to tear, tear away fathers out of families? Tries to get it dysfunctional so people don't know how fathers are supposed to be. So they don't know how their heavenly father is supposed to be to them. But here, he's, he doesn't just want to be my father in title and position. He wants to be my father in relationship. So everything a father is supposed to be is who he is to me. And if he is that, if, if he actually is that, then suddenly something happens where I can actually begin to, to um, change the way I behave. You know, we talk about this every now and then. It's like in, in the White House right now, in the White House right now, if, um, if I were to run you know, try to make it into the Oval Office to go see President Obama, what do you think would happen to me? Yeah, well, yeah, these days I might make it a little ways in. But anyway, <laughs> but ultimately, when somebody found out about it, what do you think would happen to me? Yeah, it would not be a pleasant experience for me, okay? There would be all kinds of searches that I would not want to get into, okay? And, um, but understand this, that uh, even those who actually are in a position where they can actually go meet with the president, um, they have a protocol, right? You get this 15-minute slot, you're going to be here from here to here. If you're late, you're, you're done. You know, you get this 15 minutes, you walk in, you say your bullet points, dun, 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 dun. here's all you can talk about. You can't talk about this. You can only talk about this, and, and, and it, here's what's going to happen, and then you're done, out of there. Those are how the, the meetings work. You know, there's your senators, your congressmen, the, the speaker of the house. This is how it works. You know, and they go in, done. And next, and it's just this rotation. It's an assembly line of meetings all day long. I would hate to have his job. Oh, we need to pray for the president. Uh, but understand, but there are people in his life that don't do that. There's a few of them in particular, right? Number one is his wife. His daughters don't do it, right? His daughters don't sit there and say, okay, I've got the 345 to 4 o'clock setting. <laughs> you know, they don't do that. Why? Do they know that he's the president? Do they respect him as president? But they know him as something else. They know him as dad. They know him as father. So they run up on his lap. They hug on him, right? 
At least they should if they don't. But you understand, they don't fear all the things everybody else is fearing because they, they go right past the protocol. They go right past the protocol because of relationship. Man, this is our Father. We need to understand, this is the highest thing that we could do, is understand that there's, there might be people who, who approach God like this big protocol. I don't want to do that with my dad. I'm going to run in, jump up on his lap. We're going to have a good time. You know, we're just going to have a blast. We're going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit there and talk about business all day long. I don't want to talk about business with my dad. I want to have fun. Kids are meant to play, right? And that's what we need to do. We need to just play with our dad. Just have a good time. But it, there's a love that if I don't understand his love for me, I won't do that. If I don't understand his love for me, then I'll still approach him like this big fearful thing. I know he's God, and I respect him as God, but I know he's my father, and I know he's my dad. And so I walk into his presence, and I jump up on his lap with the fear of the Lord. Praise God. And that's what the blood of Jesus is there for. Now, oh, okay, Romans 8, let's just uh, let's wrap it up here. Are we doing okay? Okay, Romans 8. And it says here, um, oh, my goodness. Okay, so now notice this. It says in, uh, we already read this in verse 15. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. And then notice what it says. By whom, what does it say? We cry out. Who's crying out? We are. We're supposed to be having something come out of our mouth. We're supposed to be crying out. The Holy Spirit's bearing witness with my spirit, but it shouldn't end there. It shouldn't end with the Holy Spirit bearing witness with my spirit. It says here that I cry out something. I'm crying out that he is my father and he is my dad and he loves me and I'm the apple of his eye and he adores me and he cherishes me. You know how much that sets you free? There's nothing that can bless the father more than you telling him how much he loves you. He knows how much you love him. Honestly, right? Is he omniscient? So you could, you could tell him that, that you love him all day long. That doesn't change his position, right? But what changes you is when you begin to tell him how much he loves you. When you begin to actually allow his love for you to come out of your mouth, oh, man, it changes everything. I will sit there, and I will just, just begin to talk about how much my father loves me. And, man, it changes everything. Because then I can look at everything, and it says, it says that this is what's crying out. Now turn over to verse, um, in conjunction with that, we're going to jump over a few verses. Um, verse 31. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? Well, what should we be saying to these things? Well, it says, if God's for us, who can be against us? But you know where that comes from? It comes from saying, God's my father, he's my dad, and he loves me, and I'm crying it out of my heart. See, you understand, when I begin to allow that coming out of my heart and out of my mouth, now suddenly I filter everything through his love for me, and I can easily say, if God's for me, who can be against me? Because I've got, I've got my dad, I've got my father, and he is, the, he is the protector of my heart. He is the lover of my soul. He's everything to me. And he loves me, and I am his son in the beloved, and he is well pleased with me. But it has to be coming out of my heart. And then he goes on. He says, he says, uh, Yes, I love this. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? It says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Oh, I love that. In other words, who's who's actually saying that, that, being being accusing of you? It's it's God who justifies. Who is it who condemns? (laughs) It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from what? The love of Christ. 
I love it because it's all about the love. Once again, children receive love. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are what? More than conquerors through what? Him who loved us. Glory to God. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. I understand we are children of God. And as children, we have an inheritance, we have a birthright, we have the traits of our Father growing on the inside of us, and we have the love of God. And this is why it's so important that that he found it so important that he actually puts the Holy Spirit in us. So every day, the world around us is saying that we are not loved, but God is saying that we are loved. God is saying that we have a father. God is saying that we have a supplier, that we have a protector, that we have a defender, that we have somebody who's watching over us all the time. And the Holy Spirit's always telling that to our spirit. And now all we have to do is have it come out of our mouth. This is who we are. We are the children of the Most High God. And everything else is a lie. Amen? Praise God. Let's wrap it up right there. Father, I just thank you, Lord God. You are so good. We are your children, and you love us. We are the beloved children of God, and and you are well-pleased with us. Praise God. And so we walk as children of God. We live as children of God. We grow as children of God. Father, and everything else, Lord God, just pales in comparison to, to to the truth that we are your children, and you are our Father. You love us. You cherish us. You run to us. And I just thank you, Lord God, that we're going to allow you to love us. We're going to allow you to love us the way that you've designed, Father God, that fatherly love to be. Father God, you're not just going to be positional, but relational, Lord God. We know, Lord God, that it's your will to love us, Lord God, but it's our will to to receive that love. And so show us how, by your spirit, by your grace, show us how to receive more love. We thank you, Lord God. That even though we know that the enemy has tried to to taint our relationships with fathers and and understanding these things, but where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, praise God. And your spirit on the inside of us makes up the difference of our culture and our past. I just thank you right now, Lord God, that we choose the love of our Father right now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.